Let us pray. For all you've done, Lord, we say thank you for being better to us than life, for being our life. For in you, we live, we move, we breathe, we have our being. We thank you for this opportunity, O oh Lord, to again be in your house to worship you, the beauty of holiness. And we ask now that you would move according to your will and your way. We thank you for what we've witnessed, knowing that you're using these things to prepare us to hear a word from you. So right now, make me less. Allow me to decrease so that you can increase and become more and fix us. By clearing our minds and opening our hearts and unstopping our ears so we can hear from you. And upon hearing from you, we want to leave this place better than the way we arrived. Yes, Lord, we want to walk out of here better than the way we walked in. Through Christ, we ask it all. Amen. Amen. Again, I do want to thank you for this opportunity and especially to my dear friends, Pastor Ramsey and Pastor Owens, amen. It is so great for you all to, to know, to be with me and to support me in all that is taking place. And, and Paul, don't, don't worry, I got you coming to First Cumberland before summer break. So prepare, man, prepare, prepare. All right, for those of you who are not familiar uh, with me, let me inform you that I am not your typical Presbyterian preacher. If you got an amen, don't be stingy. Oh, hello, somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't mind you responding to the truth as you hear it. So at this time, I'm going to ask those of you who have your Bibles, our text for tonight is going to come from our sermon for tonight. Our text actually is Mark chapter 9. Verses 14 through 24. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 24. I don't know what your tradition is, but I would put it this way. If it is your tradition to stand for the reading of the scripture, you're welcome to do so. If you want to remain seated, that's fine too. I'll be reading from the New International Version. This is what it says. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I put up with you? How long shall I stay with you? How long, how long, how long bring the boy to me? So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. 
It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Amen. You may be seated, my friends. If you would, please turn to a neighbor. Look at them good and repeat after me. Friend, what's the best thing about unbelief? Amen. What's the best thing about unbelief? After spending some time on the mountain, Jesus, James, John, and Peter returned to the other disciples and found chaos and confusion. The disciples who didn't go to the mountain were trying to save a boy who was possessed by an evil spirit and a father who was possessed by love for his son. And they were failing. They were failing. Jesus arrived. And the father gives him the complete story. And he basically sums it up by saying, my son is demon possessed. And when this demon takes hold of him, it throws him into the fire and then throws him into the water. Now, in reading between the lines, we are dealing with an exasperated father. We are dealing with a tired dad. You see, because every time his boy is thrown into the fire, daddy goes and gets him. Every time his son is thrown into the water, daddy goes and gets him. Daddy is tired of the extreme. Tired of being on fire. <laughs> tired of being washed out, too. The symbolism here is rich rich. You see, on the mountain, there was rejoicing. In the valley, there's a problem. I want you to understand that life is filled with mountains <laughs> and valleys. On the mountain, the three disciples see Jesus transfigured. On the mountain, they hear the voice of God. This is my son. Listen to him on the mountain. But in the valley, a demon has control of a son and a father in front of a powerless church. You see, the one thing that keeps all this confusion up is unbelief. 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 Well, parent, what is unbelief? I'm so glad you asked. You see, let me share this with you. Unbelief really is not the complete lack of faith to or failing to believe. Unbelief is actually the bodyguard of doubt. Unbelief protects doubt. All doubt is is unproven belief or the potential to believe, 
Thomas's doubt in the New Testament of Jesus' resurrection was based upon what he saw and what he missed seeing. He saw Jesus die, but he missed Jesus' first visit as the resurrected Lord with the disciples. After he saw Jesus for himself, he believed. Who knows how many folks tried to help this father and his son? Who knows how many neighbors he went to asking for help? Who knows how many of his buddies he went to asking for help? If I can play with this just for a moment, who knows how many of his drunk friends he went to asking for help. Who knows how many people he went to talk to who were living lives unpleasing in the eyesight of the Lord, asking for help. But it really doesn't matter how many folks he went to because all of them failed. None of them fixed the situation. None of them got it right. And his coming to Jesus was out of desperation. Perhaps this is my last shot. Now, the good thing is he had enough faith to get to Jesus. But based upon what he had seen, his unbelief would not let him fully believe in what Jesus could do. What fueled his unbelief is that those who were closest to Jesus, oh, hello, somebody, couldn't help him either. Uh, let me put it this way. Those who hung out with the Savior of the world, none of that good saving rubbed off on them. <laughs> Those who hung out with Jesus couldn't do anything to help this father with his son. Uh, what we're looking at is a powerless church standing before a situation that the church should have been able to help, should have been able to handle. That's why Jesus was so upset when he came down from the mountain. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long do I have to put up with y'all? Y'all won't listen. Oh, somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. Uh, anybody in here got some children? Children who won't listen. You got to stand behind them and say, make up your bed, make up your bed, make up your bed. You got to stand behind them, eat all of your food, eat all of your food, eat all of your food. You got to stand behind them and say, what did I just say? What did I just say? What did I just say? Oh, unbelieving generation. How long, y'all, do I have to put up with you? How long? By now you should have gotten it. By now you should, you should be able to do something. By now you should have been able to help. But no, that was not the case. And this father is plagued by unbelief. Belief. Hmm. You know, belief and faith are very similar. Almost 
interchangeable. Matter of fact, many times we will try to interchange these two words. They're almost interchangeable. And I don't know about you, but I thank God for belief. For belief. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I'm so glad that the verse says whosoever believes rather than whosoever can explain. I'm glad that it's worded this way because had it not been worded this way, had it been whosoever can explain, I'd be in trouble right now. You see, there's a whole lot of stuff I can't explain, but I still believe. I may not be able to physically explain how Jesus walked on the water, but I believe it. I may not be able to physically explain how Jesus fed over 5,000 people with two pieces of catfish and five cornbread muffins. Well, at least, Pastor Rams, that's how I see it. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I may not be able to explain how the Holy Spirit could touch a virgin in such a way that she would give birth to the Savior of the world, but I believe it. But I believe it. I may not be able to medically explain how Jesus could be pronounced dead on the cross place in a borrowed tomb, stay there Friday night and Saturday night, and then on Sunday morning, walk out alive and well, but I believe this. May not fully be able to explain, y'all, how one of these days the sky's going to part, <laughs> and Jesus is going to come through riding on a white horse with King of Kings written on one thigh and Lord of Lords written on the other. I may not fully be able to explain that, but I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Yes, belief. Belief and faith are almost interchangeable. You see, but the difference for me is that belief can completely be internal. Can be completely private. But faith, you got to act upon. You see, I can believe that that pew will hold me if I sit on it and never sit on it. But if I've got faith that that pew will hold me, I'll go sit down and rest for a little while. Faith, you've got to act upon. Dr. King said many years ago that the most segregated hour in America is 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And unfortunately, in many cases, it still is. Oh, we switch the hour. Sometimes it's 1030. Sometimes it's 845. We, we, we move the hour around, but it's still the most segregated time in this country. Most Christians would agree that we should, most Christians would believe that we should 
be able to worship together. But it's our unbelief that keeps messing us up. You see, and by not sharing the most precious part of our Christian faith, it allows us to not share a bunch of other things too. I don't know about you all, but I really do believe that the church should set the standard for the world rather than the world setting the standard for the church. And unfortunately, I see the world telling us what we need to do and what we can't do and how we need to act and what we should do and how we should not act and how we should not respond. And as I look at the symbolism in our text for this evening, I see God dealing with all of us. And we continue to put God through the extremes. God continues to jump in the fire after us and continues to jump in the water after us. God continues to do all of these things. You see, we ought to be able to be together. We ought to be able to sit together. We ought to be able to worship together. But unfortunately, in many instances, we can't do that because we can't stand each other. It's another king who simply asked a simple question one day, can't we all just get along? You see, I consider it an honor to be here tonight. And I hope you all know how blessed you are on this evening because there are not many churches in this country like Church on the Hill. Somebody know. <laughs> not many churches in this country. I, I don't want to stand before you as a world traveler or anything along that line. I'm nothing like that. But I've had my opportunities to go enough places. And there are not many churches like this one. You see where people can come together and worship in spirit and in truth. Worship. In the beauty of holiness, worship in freedom, fellowship together. You see, many churches are open, but they're open to the people that they want rather than the people that the Lord sends. Many folks that the Lord sends, they're coming with great unbelief, unbelief about the Lord being a healer. Unbelief about the Lord being a way maker. Unbelief about the Lord being a heart fixer. Unbelief about the Lord being a mind regulator, a company keeper, a hellhound, chaser bread when I'm hungry and water when I'm thirsty, a doctor in the sick room and a lawyer in the courtroom. They're coming with unbelief about how the Lord loves everybody and died for everybody. And when they step into our churches, see our worship services, watch us in fellowship and in study, what we do has a strong influence on their belief. Positive influence or a negative influence. The great preaching professor, Dr. Cleophas LaRue put it this way, all peoples have endured something. 
You see, it doesn't matter how much melanin is in your skin. You've had some dark days. I ain't got to know about your background. I can look at you and tell that you've been through something every once in a while. I don't have to know about what college you graduated from. If you went to college at all, I know you've had some days that were troubling. No, you've had some moments where you had to struggle. No, you had some times where you about wore out your knees praying and talking to the Lord about what was going on in your life. It doesn't matter what the color of your eyes are. Had it not been for the Lord who was on your side, you would have stumbled and failed. I find peace in knowing, my friends, that the same God who created us, loves us all. And historically, the multiple races that existed have not always been kind to each other. But the love of Christ, the sacrificial blood of the Lamb, has blessed us with opportunities to reach out and love each other as we should. Treat each other fairly. Song out of my own tradition simply says when all of God's children get together what a time, what a time what a time, we're going to sit down by the banks of the river, what a time what a time, what a time listen to me the best thing about unbelief is that it can be fixed father said if you can do anything Take pity on us and help us. Jesus responded, if you can, as if to say, don't you know who I am? You're asking if I can do anything. I'm the one who makes sure that the peppers are hot and the peaches are sweet. I'm the one that knows when the snow's going to fall and when the rain's going to come, I'm the one who knows how many puppies are born and how many billy goats are having issues. I'm the one who knows when your blood pressure is going to go up and when it's going to be regulated. I'm the one. I can do everything that you need if I can. If I can. I'm the only one, obviously, around here who can help you and your son. Well, Jesus says everything is possible for him who believes. And when you look at what the Lord has done in the lives of other folks, your unbelief can be fixed. When you look at what the Lord has done in the lives of those closest to you, your unbelief can be fixed. When you look at your own life, oh, hello, somebody. You know what you used to do and how you used to act and who you used to hang out with and what you used to do with the folks you used to hang out with. You know all about that, yes. And when you look at your own life and you see what the Lord has done, your unbelief can be fixed. And when it comes to racial relations in this country, in the church, God has already done some great things. Uh, if you look in our country right now, we got 
women mayors and women governors and city council and staff members. God is doing some great things. Minorities holding political positions in every office imaginable. God is doing some things. Yes, you, you may not have voted for him. You may not like him, but let me tell you something. President Barack Obama was elected president not because all the black folk voted for him, but because folk came together and voted for him. Our unbelief can be fixed when we just look at what God has already done. So let's move forward in love and equality and continue to worship the Lord in gladness. That our lives express that our unbelief has been fixed and our faith is intact. All because of one man who died for you and died for me. And it didn't matter what we looked like. It just mattered that we needed help. That we needed to be fixed. And the death of Jesus Christ fixed us all. To God be the glory. For the great things he has done. Somebody shout hallelujah. I should have taken up the offering now. <laughs> Brother Perrin, that was wonderful. Amen. If y'all don't mind, let's pray together as I dismiss you. And I would like for us to pray specifically over he and his family and over First Cumberland Presbyterian. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your anointed man of God that has just stepped into this pulpit. Lord, I thank you for how that word, Lord, hits right where we need to be, Lord, in our unbelief. Father, as he preached, that man went looking everywhere, but he also went looking in the church and he couldn't find the answer in the church. He couldn't find the answer in the disciples. Lord, we ask right now that this word that he's given tonight be released over this church and over his church. Lord, that when the lost come in here, that they find the answer. Lord, I want to be one that, that, can, that you can flow through. Lord, I desire for uh, First Cumberland Presbyterian be a place that they can encounter a healing God. Father, let everything that you have called Brother Perrin and his family to do, Lord, be done, Lord, according to your will. Lord, I just thank you for Gerald. I ask you that the, the uh, anointing and the musician in him that you have placed in him be released to a new level. Father, I ask that we, that we partner, Lord, in learning how to allow us to um, receive the people that you desire to be in our church. And not only receive those that we want, Lord, but receive those that you desire. Lord, as, as a brother came up to me tonight saying something has started, Lord, I agree with that. But Father, I, I more desire to finish. It's easy to start. Lord, help us finish. Thank you, Lord. I just ask over Cookville, over All Good, over Putnam County, that you release your anointing power over our churches. And that we step into what it is that you desire. In Jesus' name. Amen.
please, as you go out, please give them a hug. Let them know we're glad they're here, Brother Gerald and also Brother Perrin and his family. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning.